a delightfully macabre folk song. A cinematic and thought-provoking soundscape. And a sci-fi theme that keeps regenerating. You're listening to Themes and Variation. Themes and Variation is a podcast about music and perspectives brought to you by the online music school Soundfly. I'm your host, Carter Lee. All right, folks, another Themes and Variation coming at you. And today we are breaking down theme songs. Our panel has selected three songs that really help capture the shows they go hand in hand with. And joining me on today's episode is, of course, my frequent co-host, Mahalia Lee, and TV and media composer, Tangeline Bolton. A Berkeley College of Music film scoring graduate, Tangeline's distinct musical style is a mashup of neoclassical, electronic, folk, and jazz. She has an incredibly wide range of credits, including but not limited to composing for acclaimed media like All Rise, Brainchild, C, Shimmer and Shine, The Only Living Boy in New York, and many others. We had such a great time talking tunes with Tangeline and cannot thank her enough for coming on the show. And folks, if you're looking to reach your musical goals in the year ahead, look no further than soundfly.com. We've got courses on arranging, production, theory, sound design, literally anything you could possibly want to learn in the world of music from artists like Kimbra, Kiefer, Jay Lynn, RJD2, Ryan Lott, and Calm Trues. We've also got a brand new artist series course launching next week. And just to give you a hint, if you're interested in really honing in and developing your pocket, Well, this artist has it in spades. Remember to head to soundfly.com and use the discount code PODCAST, that's PODCAST in all caps, to take 20% off a monthly or annual subscription. Well, that is just about enough out of me. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, Theme Songs. Folks, another themes and variation coming at you, Mejia. Uh, You're back in the co-host chair after one episode um, so I got to know how you're doing because it's been a little while. How are you doing? Um, I'm good. I think that it, it's kind of weird you left that chair empty for the last episode, but that's okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it just felt appropriate for that one. And uh, here know. we are. But I, I appreciate it. Sure. <laughs> but I, guys, I'm so excited. We've got a fantastic guest for today's episode. We're talking theme songs. Uh, composer, producer, Tangeline Bolton. Tangeline, how you doing? Good. How are you? Well, I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. And Tangeline, we're talking a little bit to you uh, because of the brand new season, Warrior Nun. Uh, it's the second season of Warrior Nun on Netflix. It's dropping today, I think, is the premiere as, as we're taping today. So as listeners are hearing this, we're in the we're in the past, but it's coming out today. Um, yeah, it, like the and the soundtrack has dropped today as well. Listening to the soundtrack um, this morning, the one word that came to mind for me was epic. Certainly, if I had to define it in one word, how would you describe the soundtrack for Warrior Nun, the uh, second season? Sure, I would definitely describe it as epic, and as well as ethereal, and ancient, and looming. Ooh, these are good words. And (laughs) ominous. Yeah, tone for season two is really interesting, and there's kind of like cult elements as well, so Hmm. it'll be interesting for you to check out. And how would you describe your process of working on the score 
for this the season of uh, Warrior Nun? Well, I received uh, scripts pretty early, which is rare for some composers, but very lucky for me in this case, because um, after some early discussions with my showrunner, Simon Barry, I was able to sort of start crafting my sonic palette um, early on in the process and get inspired by like what I was reading on, on paper mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. which allowed me to kind of start visualizing uh, the scenarios, which was kind of an interesting place to be because later when I was able to start seeing, uh, start seeing the dailies, everything was even more epic in real time. <laughs> <laughs> were they, were things how you pictured them when you were reading the scripts? You know what? Interesting enough, they weren't too far from like what I was envisioning in the scripts. Um, I think that's when you can tell if the script is good is if you're really able to imagine if they're like putting some good descriptive words in there and uh, describing you know all the all the different spots that they're in. Uh, you can really start envisioning mm. it, and it's, it becomes really fun to hear music with that as well. It must be so satisfying to hear your or see and I guess your music along with those visuals and have it be like oh my vision was spot on I agree yeah I it was fun because I I started sketching stuff a little bit earlier but things didn't start coming into full fruition until I started seeing the dailies that's when I was getting really inspired was there anything new in instrumentation orchestration arranging even uh that you kind of discovered in working on this score that you hadn't used previously uh, sure. I use a lot of Soma products, actually. I use this really cool thing called the pipe. Actually, I have it right here. If you guys want to see, I, I know, so so I know everyone else can't see it, but like, it looks like this. Oh, wow. It's crazy. <laughs> we'll have to oh, put a picture what? of it or a link to it, it looks in show like notes. A, that is yeah. insane. It looks kind of like a microscope and an e Yeah, exactly. Device. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty algorithmic <laughs> and fun and it's like a vocal processing engine it could technically respond to like any sound that goes through it but i was like you know if i were to clap my hands it could probably go off of that clap mm-hmm. too but i was primarily like making noises in my mouth for like percussive elements sometimes and primarily lilith's theme was used a lot with that were there any um just favorite compositions and working on the second season again of Warrior Nun that stood out to you? Like I like if you're going to point somebody to a track, you want them to listen to it from from the soundtrack that again is out today. What uh, what piece would you point them towards or a couple of pieces? I also don't want to give too many spoilers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because some of yeah, because <laughs> some of the cues are like, yeah, they're, they're like, <laughs> like yeah. The yeah. Um, but I will I'll just let people dig. Um, there's a cue with Lilith. Um, specifically towards the end of the soundtrack that Mm. I really love, especially paired to picture. It was a really epic scene for what we were um, seeing visually. The scene with between Lilith and Adriel, kind of one of the other main characters um, throughout season one and two. Well, actually more season two.
before we dive into our selections for theme songs this episode, um, is there anything else you'd like to share about the second season of Warrior Nun? Drop in today. There's so much going on with different genre. Like it's very genre bending and there's so many different tones going on this season. And I can't wait for everyone to watch and then take a listen to the soundtrack after you watch. In that order. In that order. Yes. Awesome. So with that, why don't we get into our first (laughs) selection for the episode? want to live long they have no use for your song you're dead you're dead you're dead you're dead and out of this world you'll never get a second chance plan all your moves in advance stay dead stay dead stay dead stay dead and out of this world all right folks we're listening to you're dead from Norma Tenega, uh, from the album, I, I love this, uh, Walking My Cat Named Dog, uh, released 1966. The title track of this record, Walking My Cat Named Dog, was actually her quote-unquote hit, uh, reaching number 22 on the Billboard 100. gotta say of course this this is we're talking theme songs what's the show that this is the theme song for this is for the opening credits of what we do in the shadows uh tangeline are you familiar with the show or are you familiar with the song yeah it's both i, I love the show awesome. I, I haven't seen the latest yeah. season but i love the show and i did remember that it was from that show but i didn't know it was from the 60s yeah um, no i i thought it the way it sounds on the show it feels like it's like an updated for like a new folk kind of kind so of track but is it um, a cover yeah well, n- eh, i think it's the original i think it really? is because they used um uh was it taika waititi and and jermaine clement they used it for the opening of the movie um back in 2014 and they actually had to track down uh norma tenega um to get permission to use the song so we're watching season four right now. I think we're like in the middle of it. It's so good. It it's really like, funny. it's probably even the best. This show is one of my favorite shows going right now for sure. It's hilarious. It's like that. It's not even like dark humor. It's just dark in the way that it looks mostly. It's but silly. For, yeah. It yeah, makes for anybody you feel good it's too. About, it you does. Know, it, it really it just, does. You, you just feel good when you watch it. Like you feel warm. But Weirdly, there's, there's so much stuff going on, but you still feel warm. Yeah, totally. And there's just enough cynicism in it where you're like, it like the world is crazy and the show isn't pretending it's not. It's just making it even weirder. And that's somehow comforting. <laughs> that's exactly what I mean. Norma is such a fascinating figure. She was like classically trained pianist, <laughs> ended up in the Greenwich Village, 1960s, Bob Dylan era uh you that know, makes just sense that that era of of music and poetry everything that was going on the beatnik era and folk music from that time is so complex mm-hmm. in form it's always like the form gets written to the vocal and the melody and what you end up with so many times and so often is like really interesting form so this song it's gonna be weird i'm gonna count a little bit as we go because there's <laughs> there's bars like it's probably mostly just bars of two and one but I'm grouping things in five. Now, we're just talking about the meter of the form. Um, let's have just a little listen here. So one, two, three, four, five. One, two, three, four, five. One, two, 
three, four, five, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, one, two. Like That's the actual stressful. vocal being over five. <laughs> And then the there's one bar of of three, and then right back to a classic like two feel. Mm-hmm. It's so sick. The yeah, other thing cool. form wise that is so sick about this is that that first do 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 do. That's a dotted quarter note, so you're getting mm-hmm. that three over four feel. That then gets condensed into a dotted eighth, like in that da 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 da. It's the exact same rhythm condensed. Like basically split in in the in half, and it's like so cool. Like just listening to this track is like mind blowing. Uh, any just initial thoughts uh, or feelings from this track for the for either of you? I'm still freaking out. Not freaking out, but I'm still in shock that it's a song from the '60s and yeah. not, that it wasn't yeah. covered because it sounds so modern. It's timeless. It really is. When you said Greenwich Village, though, that makes sense because it does have yep. it does have like a beatnik poet. Like, yep. like the subject matter lyrically is, you know, negative. Like your dead is Dark. supposedly a bad thing, but then you think about it and it's like, you know what? There's a lot of cultures where death isn't this ominous, evil, dark idea. And it kind of has that to it too. Like it feels like it's this, energetic. <laughs> this is a dark song lyrically though. And we'll yeah, get into that a little bit. But it's strange. Yeah, like, I know what you mean. I, I think that the cool thing is, like juxtaposition right and in contrast mm-hmm. i love those kind of ideas because you pair that with this show and it's it's like the first thing you think and it's like it's it's like ironic in a way totally it is it really is i it's fun that ties in beautifully to like but the main reason i picked this and like how it fits for the show it is delightfully macabre like and mm-hmm. that is that is how i would describe the show as well like it's so funny and yet the the exteriors the scene it's always dark it's set in staten island which is i think perfect for this show it kind of like has that i and i lived in new york never went to staten island (laughs) dystopian just like kind of like you think of like i gotta go to staten island that's that's too bad man um the lyrics um you know hear the unloved weeping like rain guard your sleep from the sound of their pain it's so cool. uh, <laughs> now your hope and compassion is gone you've sold out your dream to the world yeah that line oh dark gets me every yeah. time <laughs> dark but like it's funny though right but yeah like it's so dark when you think of the show and it's it's like wow that's so funny yeah it is it's almost like when you have one of those days where just everything goes wrong and you hit that point where you kind of want to laugh because you're like well like whatever <laughs> like, you ain't laughing you you're crying that's yeah, yeah that's pretty yeah, that's much the only way to put it. it's so um, bouncy we we touched on this earlier but it's perfect it, it, it's it sounds timeless the song mm-hmm. is timeless which if you're doing a show about vampires who don't die yeah. and are themselves timeless perfect pick like that's mm-hmm. there's an art to pick as it's tangling you know like there's an art to picking a song even if it's from a, a catalog and, and making it it's not a composition but to make it a part of um you know this show doesn't have a lot of music to it other than you know Najwa singing and Laszlo singing which yeah. are like the be- like best songs I've ever heard in my life hello everybody I'm Nadja and this is Laszlo and we are Nadja and Laszlo the human music group this is a love song to my wife Nadja you took my heart like no one in this There, There isn't much music in this show. And so I think of this song purely when it comes to music yeah. and, and the audio of this show. Um, yeah, it's a great pick. It, it harmonically feels yeah. light and dark at the same time as well, which I, is the exact 
way I would describe this show as well. The little details of this track that like the nuances that have kind of lingered stylistically, like Mm -hmm. the husky voice is Mm -hmm. interesting. The fact that you can kind of hear the strings and things like that. It's just, I don't know. It, it, it's not vintage in a dated way. It's vintage in uh, we're all aiming to fake this kind of vintage vibe nowadays. It's really cool. That's a really good point. I think that, that brings us back to what you're saying, Carter, like the meter and like the rhythmic mm. value of it. I think that's what kind of adds to that modern, the modernism. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it, it has that, that bounciness to it that makes you just want to, move a bit but you never get quite comfortable enough yeah to get bored with it yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. it's a good way to put it any final thoughts on uh your dead or or the show itself i mean we're talking theme song i keep forgetting <laughs> like yeah like theme songs the show is his themes variation you could have picked a song that we've covered Mahay, and just somehow made yeah, it work on this I know, episode I because that, it's theme it songs but we didn't want to mm. go that uh, heavy on the nose um but yeah i you know i'm ready to move on to our next selection if you guys cool. are unless you have any final thoughts on on this track Let's move on Tangeline, what do we have the the pleasure of listening to? Westworld theme. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure everyone knows it. Yeah, awesome. It's so good. Uh, the compo- Who's the composer? Ramin. Ramin Jalady. Yeah, I. Wow. Where Where do you want to start with this track? Because it is. This is one this of is those. And again, I think with our our last selection as well. You know, you get the option now to like skip the intro. I wouldn't do that with Westworld, <laughs> and I wouldn't do that with what we do in the shadows because I want to listen to. Same. The song, but yeah, where would you like to begin with this theme? It's it's well, so I good. I chose this theme because I it goes further than just the theme for or the intro for a TV show. I love that it's like matching actual playing on the piano, and it ties with a lot of um, the songs that are being played on a piano. There's very much a thread mm-hmm. that goes through um, the series. I'm I'm talking more specifically about uh, season one, but just in general, I feel mm-hmm. like it plays such a major role to the series as as a whole in the storytelling. That playing, now this is a, an ep, like basically an episode of Carter learns one word <laughs> through working on a course diegetic and non-diegetic. I was like, I, I'd never come across that before. And now I'm like, I got to use it all the time. But because the, the AI is like playing the piano or the robot or whatever you want to call it, Post. playing the piano... Would you consider that diegetic in the theme then? Because it's like oh, interesting. being performed by an entity on in the show. Or is it or just it like, yeah, this is kind of visually part of the scene. Because eventually yeah. the other instruments come in. But that's a, that's a good point because it is it is visually, I guess it would be, for is it actually playing in that room? I don't know. We would have to ask a music editor or someone. But that's a very good point. It reminds me a little bit of Lisa playing the saxophone. On The Simpsons, there's like oh, sort of break, yeah. and you know, that's the moment, of course. <laughs> yeah. And what a perfect build of suspense in this yeah. this theme. Um, but please, yeah, and take it away. I don't want to step on your on your thoughts here for this uh, this song. I just I love listening to it. I'm trying to remember when this first came out. When did Westworld first come out? It's been 
I know. They've taken so many breaks. 20, I want to say like 16, 2016 maybe. I, I just know. feel like the, the score is pretty ahead and the show too. And just listening to it, it's just the combination of the piano with those synths and the strings. And then you have that kind of Western quality, but it's it's going yeah. slow that it feels really ominous too because of the pacing. Mm-hmm. Like a player piano yeah. that's like dying. Yeah. I love it. He has such an interesting yep. sound overall. It's weird to me, not weird, I guess it's just fascinating to me that the theme for Game of Thrones and the theme for Westworld both fit entirely different shows, but have similarities, you know? Do you feel like that's normal for people who write for shows in that way? That's You have the best questions. I just got to tell you that. <laughs> or is that something you aim for, I guess, as a composer? Like to be distinguishable, but yeah, I don't know. Like how much do you think about that? I, I definitely aim to be distinct, distinguishable. And I think that's what I like a lot about Ramin is you can hear his sound through his different shows. And I think that comes a lot with the melody writing too, because mm. both of those shows are kind of different styles, you know, like Game of Thrones has different elements mm-hmm. and same with Westworld, but you can still tell that it's him. Yeah. I feel like he and Danny Elfman might be the two where I'm like, if I hear something, I can hear mm-hmm. this, but it also fits an entirely different show so perfectly. Maybe John Williams too. Don Zimmer, who Tangelina, <laughs> you worked a little bit with. That was like one of your yeah. first. Can you tell us a little bit about your time with with Hans? Sure. Like I know him. I don't. Yeah, it's Hans. Yeah. <laughs> first name basis. <laughs> so I I started working for Hans and his team in 2013. Um, my good friend Tori Letzler, who I do you guys know Tori by chance? Mm-mm. Okay, so we 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 had um, some classes together at Berkeley. And she moved to LA a little bit before I did, started off as an intern, then she got hired back. And then she was able to get me an interview to intern as well. And, you know, months, months went by, I eventually heard that I got the internship, moved to LA, did the internship. And then, you know, you're like, well, what do I do next? I'm in this big city. Aren't I supposed (laughs) to get all these huge, you know, jobs? (laughs) <laughs> so I, you know, worked at a yoga studio for a few months. And then I eventually got a call that Henry Jackman and his team uh, needed an intern as well. So then I went and interned for Henry Jackman and his team. And then it's the same thing. I finished. I'm like, what do I do now? <laughs> and then I eventually got the call that um, Hans and his team and then uh, remote control the studio needed a runner and like a general studio assistant. So that, then I got hired back and then I worked over there for close to two years and I met tons of composers. Did you work with Amanda Jones at all? A little at, bit. At Remote Control? A little bit. She interned there, mm-hmm. I think, after I was there for a few months and then she moved to Henry's. We all like moved around there. That yeah. that was a fun thing. It's kind of like a, a campus in some way because there's so many, yeah. you you both know how it is. There's so many composers. People don't realize um, how many composers um, have rooms there. 
So it's an incredible opportunity to sit in and get to know all the different composers who I still know today, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. That is really cool. Awesome. Is there any moment in this theme that you want to call attention to or anything? Like just any part of it that you, you're like, we got to listen to to this. Oh, the, the, the Westworld theme right now? Yeah, right. I know we kind of like yeah. went off in a tangent. Just jumping like, back. That was just a non sequitur for good. me there. Yeah. <laughs> I met Ramin when I was at Remote briefly, but I know his assistants at the time now as well. So I think that's why we kind of went off on a little tangent. Yeah. <laughs> but I would love to listen to the end of the theme. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite part. Here we go. I never noticed that. Yeah, forget it's how jarring that is. I didn't, I didn't remember that at all. It's very raw and like emotional and like the like subtle thing that I loved about this is the flip of the. It's not even a flip. It's just an added note of the arpeggio and the strings. There's this moment here. like starting on the downbeat and then adding a note so it starts on the uh the end of and it's it's the same line it just flips it it makes it feel like so there's a flow to it but it's unsettling it's like oh which is what the show is really about too like um, I think that's what we're getting on. Good theme songs relate to the themes of the show pretty well. What is it about this ending that like stands out to you? Well, I love it because it's in my head, it's like it's like a hook. Mm. I just always remember that and piano bay, like that arpeggiated piano, like going down too instead of up, which we're kind of having that more up feeling for for the earlier part of it. And I just love the arpeggiated mm. piano so much. Yeah, there's so much nuance to that too. Like, I just this is the first time I've noticed that there is a string instrument in this last couple of seconds. I like. It didn't even register to me that that was there somehow, but it's, it's ominous. Yeah. Yeah. What a theme. And what a that's pick, good. too. That was, I mm-hmm. mean, that's a fantastic pick. Is there any, uh, yeah, anything else on the Westworld theme? Anything about it that you feel like has worked its way into your, may you might even ask this, but uh, in, in another way, but anything about it that's worked its way into your work as a composer that you feel like particularly inspired by? A huge mentor of mine, uh, his name is Bobby Tahori. He's an amazing composer. He does a lot of games. He did Tomb Raider and uh, Marvel's Avengers game and a bunch of other shows. I met him at Hans's uh, camp as well. And he worked a lot for Ramin um, during his earlier years, or I don't know if his earlier years, maybe it was his later years at Ramin, but he did do a lot of writing for uh, Ramin. And you always get, you know, small influences from the people that you work for, that you're mentored by. So I definitely think that kind of contra-punnel aspect to writing uh, is something that Bobby has as well. And it's something that I definitely did a lot of when I was doing a lot of writing for Bobby. And I, I do it as well, too. I think we all have certain inclinations that kind of pull us towards certain people or composers or collaborators and i think we all have that piano element too i'm like a classically trained pianist so is bobby 
And I, I think that that's, that's the fun thing about us composers and working with other composers is we like to work with people who have similar backgrounds or sometimes completely different backgrounds. It's awesome. Um, final selection. I'm ready to move on if, <laughs> yes. you, if you guys both yeah. are, shall we? Mejia, what do we have the pleasure of listening to? We are listening to the original 1963 version of the Doctor Who theme. Um, I think I might have bit off a little more than I could chew with this selection, but I'm standing by it, and we're just going to go with it and see what happens. Um, there are multiple entire websites dedicated to this theme song. So uh, if what I share about it today on the podcast isn't enough for you, a quick Google search will give you like endless conversation about this. The piece itself was written by Ron Greener, but it was co-created, even though she didn't get credit for it at the time, by Delia Derbyshire. Have either of you heard of her? No. She is overlooked far too often, but she's actually a pretty key figure in the world of electronic music. Um, I'm getting ahead of myself. So what happened was Greener wrote a piece. He handed it off to the BBC's Radiophonic Workshop team, which she was a part of. And they put his music into action with sounds that they had created. So when he heard the theme, it was an entirely like different thing than his original vision, just because they were using sounds and instruments that had not previously existed. That's cool. It was made before synthesizers were like available yeah. for private use. So instead of using synths, which is what you would guess is going on yeah. here, uh, it was mostly manually done like literally manually splicing milliseconds of wow tape. what is that the main the dun, 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 dun. i can't even tell you it sounds like a guitar like heavily affected it could be but so i'm pretty sure every single note is manually spliced Whoa. every note that sounds wow. that sounds since that I'm pretty arduous. sure it's every single note. It might just oh, be in the melody. Man. That would make more sense to me. But well, what, it, what, what I read was that every single the note. The theremin. Uh, that I couldn't find out because I do know later versions definitely did use a theremin. And I would think the Radiophonic Workshop would have had mm -hmm. one at that point. But I'm not positive. Theremin has appeared in plenty of things. Like X-Files, I think. That's got to be a, a theremin, right? Got to get a theremin. I, I know. I, I think I, 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 yeah, I, I know. Cool. Do you have one? I don't have one. But you know what? It's, it's such a popular choice, right? But you yeah. you forget yeah. how amazing it is. You yeah. forget how versatile it is too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so like just thinking of how it's played is like that's sick. Okay, our homework is we all all need to buy a theremin, <laughs> start a theremin choir. It'll be great yes. or orchestra, I guess. Either one. It's like that weird in between otherworldly instrument. Yeah, there's something weirdly human about it. It is a perfect instrument for science fiction. But yeah, I don't know for sure whether that's what you're hearing in the 1963 version, but it certainly sounds like it. But yeah, she went on to create over 200 TV themes. After having a really difficult career before she landed the job at the Radiophonic Workshop, she was literally turned down for at least one job on the basis that the company just didn't hire Aww. women for uh, positions like that. Not yeah. cool. But in spite of that, she I think she arranged for this for 17 seasons. Wow. And yeah, pretty amazing stuff. 
I say 17 seasons. There have been far more seasons than that of Doctor Who, including <laughs> the modern iterations. The theme song is periodically changed okay. to fit one of the most important elements of the show, which is that the Doctor regenerates and they get like new actors to come in and play the role. And all of a sudden he's got a different look and like slightly different personality traits. He or she, I should say now, because there's been a female one now. So the theme songs are sometimes changed to reflect that. Carter, do you happen to have the 1980 version queued up? In 1980, they did bring more actual synthesizers in and the sound totally starts yeah. to transform. The 1980 version is also notorious for being kind of a pain for the composers who wrote incidental music for the show in that it is an F-sharp miter. That's fine. It's kind of an annoying key for certain instruments, yeah. right? Because the incidental music always kind of transitions into the, the theme at the end. It made things really annoying for composers <laughs> during that period. How interesting. Right? Good practice, though. Yeah. Um, Carter, can you play one more version for me real quick? The Delaware version? The Delaware. There's so many versions, and uh, I've never seen... I've never yeah. even seen Doctor Who. Now I need to. Oh, it's so campy. It's fun to watch, but it like you got to go in knowing like it is famously cheesy. <laughs> I way. love that. I love that. Though. That's cool. Oh, you're saying it's cool. I, I think it's cool. I like it. Yeah. It reminds me of Christmas. Yeah, yeah, it does. This is the most hated version in the history of Doctor Who. People found it too bouncy and too cheesy. Um, it was wait, 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 wait. More cheesy than the other versions yeah. that we were like. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's splitting hairs. If you if you think the eighty or the, like the original version is like <laughs> no, that's not cheesy at it's all. Just but extra they, like, bouncy. Eh. Well, the original version wasn't cheesy, right? Because it was so innovative. Nothing sounded like that then. That So that was actually pretty cool that that happened. Yeah. But yeah, this one, the Delaware version um, is played on a Delaware synthesizer, which is not widely used with good reason. It's super fickle. The descriptions that I've read have been, you could literally have someone open the door in the studio where it's being recorded and it, there's a chance it's going to go out of tune. Oh, wow. Just kind of has like a little bit of a dorky sound. I like <laughs> so, it. I mean, it's a campy show, so you would think that wouldn't be the case, but sci-fi fans get up in arms about silly things. And um, it, it has received a lot of hate over the years. But yeah, it's been updated. The modern versions that we hear have a more contemporary feel, so they're more like bass heavy, there's more of a beat that comes in in some cases. I have to watch it now. Yeah. It's a big dive, so just brace yourself for how extensive that world is. I've only scratched the Is surface. it the longest running show 
like of all time or something like it, or up there? I don't because, know. Well, I think The Simpsons probably has it because it took a long break. Okay. Well, well, if it, yeah, I guess if you're doing, like, Simpsons is like 35 seasons. But like the interesting thing about it is like British television, the things that I often love about it is like, it's just planned that like it's going to be two seasons and they don't drag it mm-hmm. out forever and ever. And then there's this show, which yeah. is like the most yeah. just like, well, he regenerates. So we can think we can theoretically do this show forever mm-hmm. and you would think it wouldn't work but it does I, i'm interested tangeline would you like I, is it more interesting to you than to to do what you do which is like work on a ton of different stuff work on video games films tv and a bunch of different uh vehicles or do you think it would be interesting to like work on one show for 30 years and, oh. and be able to explore different themes and stuff i like, mean how does that fit into your creative i don't know uh, about ethos? 30 years <laughs> yeah 20 years let's make it 20 years 20 maybe but a long time like a long time straight i mean i i love developing themes so i wouldn't mind it i really wouldn't mind awesome. it as long as you know i'm i'm passionate about where the direction's going and and that characters are developing or any new characters that come in are developing then i'm always down any any challenge to to continue you know pushing boundaries and and developing characters themes is awesome to me. Awesome. And I don't think you'd have to be limited to that one thing. Like you could go the Delia Derbyshire route where it's like, you got this thing, you work pretty intensely on it, but you're somehow able to also do 199 other themes <laughs> during that time, you know? Yeah, I think I ideally boast. Because there's also something about, of course, challenging yourself and, and taking on things that are a little outside of your comfort zone. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, May, any final thoughts on? Um, I just have a couple quick notes on its legacy. Uh, Ryan Elder, who did the theme for Rick and Morty, Sick, has said yeah. that it was a major influence yeah. on that. You know, it gets a little bit parodied, and I think a lot of sci-fi nowadays. Uh, the spinoff series, The Sarah Jane Chronicles, has its own entirely different theme song. They incorporated elements of sound design and sound effects from the Doctor Who theme. Interesting. And lastly, it's it's worth diving into. There's an entire website where fans just upload their versions of the theme, and there's like hundreds, possibly thousands. I stopped scrolling after a while. Uh, and we'll put a link to that in show notes because oh, it's kind of that. fun. I love mm-hmm. like any other way that it can just keep living on in different forms. Definitely. The thing that keeps coming up with all these selections is everything about the songs and even like the the lore surrounding them seems to fit with the theme of the actual show. Yeah. Don't know why I wasn't expecting that, but I wasn't. <laughs> we all made some pretty solid choices, I think. I 100% agree. But now it is time for my favorite part of the episode. Tangeline, a big congratulations because yes. uh, the brand new season of Warrior Nun is out today. Although if you're listening to this podcast, it's been out uh, for a couple of weeks. Is this, I forgot to ask you, is it dropping all at once or is it going to, because I know Netflix was kind of going to start experimenting like one episode at a time, right? Uh, but is this all at once? Yes. All eight, the full season? All awesome. eight episodes of season two are available to binge now. 
I recommend nice. binging it. Yeah, so everybody listening to this should have already seen the entire season by the time. By they now, listen, yeah. Right? yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but what else? Uh, what else you got going on? Other other projects you're working on? Maybe your own music? Just anything that you want to share? Where can people find you online? Uh, you have an incredible list of credits, of course. Um, but right now, the floor is yours to share anything you would like with our audience. Sure. Yeah, we'll just say everyone go check out Warrior Nun season two. And then go take a listen to my soundtrack. I had such an amazing time composing the score. And I'm so grateful to my showrunner, Simon Barry, for giving me this amazing opportunity. And right now, I, I can't really say exactly what I'm working on, but I have a show in the work, another show in the works, a couple other things going on, like a feature thriller coming out next year as well. So fun stuff coming down the pipeline. And that's going to do it for this episode of Themes and Variation. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to listen to some or all of the songs mentioned on this episode, be sure to check out the Spotify playlist in our show notes. Another big thanks to Tangeline Bolton for coming on this episode. Be sure to check out Warrior Nun, the second season composed by Tangeline, now streaming on Netflix. And of course, be sure to head to soundfly.com for all of your music learning needs. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and a new theme.